My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Thanks for coming back to another episode of the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach and I am your host. In this episode of the podcast, we take a dive into the issues between remote workers in their organization's IT department with the help of Joel Windles, an executive at NetMotion Software. The company recently published the results of a survey that found a growing divide between the experiences of remote workers and IT professionals. According to that survey, IT professionals rate their remote work experience 21% higher than their end users. Further, 75% of IT leaders say they've seen a large or moderate increase in support tickets, but only 46% of those tickets were resolved, and 26% of employees don't think their issues are ever addressed. Joel and I talk about how IT leaders can stay more in tune with the needs of their remote workers, and that includes things like employee experience software, or they can just invite more end-users to have a seat at the table when leaders make these important decisions. Before we get to that interview, here's a quick reminder that the My Tech Decisions podcast is available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Download and subscribe to hear weekly interviews with technology experts that can help you make the right decision for your company. And now, here's Joel Windles. I didn't think I would... Uh... I would need video today, so I'm not looking my best. But... <laughs> hey, no worries. None of, us are, none of us are, my friend. I, the only time I shower is right before I have a, have a video call, so this is why my hair is a little wet right now. But you can't see my bottom half. You have no idea what's... <laughs> hey, hey, I'm, I'm still rocking slippers right now, my friend, all right? So, um, oh, nice. Don't worry about it. We just, uh, um, so we're based on the west coast of Canada, where it's been relatively COVID-free. Mm. But we have closed the office again temporarily this week as cases have started to rise and we want to be proactive. So I'm in full work from home mode like uh, right. like you are in the U.S. now. Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. We're about a uh, half an hour from Boston, which was one of the, the hotspots early on. So it's still, you know, pretty dicey around these parts. Mm. Anyway, um, well, it's nice It's nice to meet you, Zachary or Zach. I should, I'm not sure what you prefer. Uh, oh, Zach. Zach's fine. All right, Zach. Nice to meet you. I'm Joel. Yeah, you as well, Joel. Um, yeah, so let's talk about this uh, this survey. Um, you know, a lot of inter- interesting data points, uh, so why don't we go through some of them? Yeah, sounds good. Um, and I think you know the context around it already, but it was, it was mostly trying to dive into this idea that every survey I've seen is saying, do you enjoy working from home more or less? And it's like 50-50 split and doesn't really take into account that some things are better. I can wear sweatpants and yeah. I can like play with my cat. But some things <laughs> are worse and it's just really not very nuanced. So we tried to dive into just the technology experience, which I hadn't seen anyone else do, uh, just to try and distinguish and try and pick apart some of that, that story. Great. Um, so, you know, what did, what did the survey find in terms of, uh, you know, what kind, what kind of issues remote workers are, remote workers are having? Yeah, so there's a, there's a few things at play, which is, you know, I think most people recognize that it was a lot of change all at the same time, which is why doing this survey at the end of the summer, 
allows the dust to settle a bit more and really understand, okay, well, it's been six months now. What is the experience really like? And to me, the, the main standout response and the main finding from this study is if you go and ask someone working in IT, the person that's responsible for deploying software, making sure hardware's working right, and say, how do you think it's going? What do you think it's like for remote workers? And the most popular score was eight out of 10. So your average IT manager says, yeah, I think remote workers have an eight out of 10 experience. Right. Thing is, when you go and ask those same, uh, the people who are actually working from home, you know, the people that normally used to work in an office, used to sat behind a desk and are now having to work from home and you ask them the exact same question, how do you find the experience of using software and technology and hardware and trying to get your job done? And the most common response was six out of 10. Mm. So it's clearly quite a big disconnect between the people responsible for the work environment and the people actually having to work within it. Why is there that, that disconnect? Are, are IT pros just, um, you know, more savvy when it comes to, obviously, that's probably the answer right there. Um, but, you know, are just typical end users just, just not, you know, I've, what? Was it a lack of training? Is it just just being physically disconnected from everyone else? You know, I actually think it might be the other way around. So a typical IT manager, someone working in the IT space, looks for certain criteria when buying a product. So let's take, uh, let's take video conferencing or instant messaging between co coworkers and they say, okay, you're a CIO. What are you going to look for in a messaging product? Well, you're going to look for, does it have single sign-on? Does it have multi-factor authentication? Does it integrate with our current systems? Is it ISO 27001 certified? You go ask someone who has to actually use it, what do you look for in a chat application? They're asking a completely different set of questions. They're saying, can I message someone? Can I use these emoji? Can I call someone in the set? Like, they're asking for a consumer grade experience because most of us use the same things to communicate with our friends as we do with our colleagues. And so the whole framework for selecting software and rolling out software is completely different from the guys that actually deploy it from the people who actually use it. And sometimes I think they're just you know, completely different products at the end of that, that journey. So how big of an issue is, is shadow IT and, and just the end user trying to piece it together and do everything themselves rather than file a ticket, which uh, right. nowadays probably takes a minute. I, th I think that's probably wrapped up in the same, the same conversation. So um, if we say file sharing, let's say I, I need to send someone an email and the attachment's 150 megabytes, right? It's not going to attach. What do you do? And genuine question for you, Zach, what do you do? If you need to send something to me, maybe after this call, 150 meg, what would be your, what would be your process? Oh, putting me on a spot. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be so cruel. But for me, maybe <laughs> Google Drive. I find Google Drive sure. super easy to use. I'm in the Google ecosystem. I have a pixel, whatever. Mm -hmm. But maybe the IT team in my organization said, no, we use Dropbox or we use Office 365. And actually, maybe it's really difficult to send you an Office 365 link or, or a share file, whatever it might be. And so it comes from a place of wanting to be productive. The traditional security leader perspective was, how can we lock down people from doing things they shouldn't do? How can we force people to use the software we're trying to use? How can we stop people doing dodgy stuff or lazy stuff? And actually, I think a lot of IT and security leaders have to realize it doesn't come from a place of malice or laziness, it comes from a place of just wanting to get the job done. I just want to send you this file. And it's inconvenient for me to use the systems that I've been given. 
So I'm just going to, I'm just going to self provision because it's never been easier to do so. And so I think understanding that most employees just want to be productive. They just want to do a good job and then they want to finish for the day. Um, is really quite key to, to understanding shadow IT and starting to mitigate it. Well, one other interesting thing uh, that the, the, the survey find. Is it an open question? Which parts yeah. are yeah. interesting? Yeah. So I think one part is, and again, it's wrapped up in the same concept is you, you very briefly touched upon it a, a moment ago, which is about half of all issues aren't even reported to IT. And I'm guilty of this myself. So everyone's computer develops little niggles over, over time. Oh, when I open this program, I get a spinning wheel for 30 seconds. Oh, it just does that. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, this thing I have to log into twice for some reason. It doesn't work. And we just, they just, they just happen, right? Sometimes it's the software, sometimes it's the hardware. We all know the nuances and kinks in the, the, the tools we have to use. But a lot of the time, it's not worth telling IT. You don't want to have to submit a support ticket and wait to hear back and then write up an example and then they follow. And like, it's often more hassle than worth. And I think a lot of IT teams are in this reactive mode where they say, hey, look, this is how many support tickets we have or hey, we can fix things for users when they report something's broken. When you realize that the reality is, well, you don't see a lot of the problems that people are experiencing, I think it completely reshapes the, the, the thinking. And suddenly you're going to have to say, well, rather than let's be a reactive IT team, why don't we try and be a proactive one? Why don't we try and work out what is it really like? What, what are the issues that people are encountering even when they don't tell us about them? I think... Some of the data in here shows just how big that blind spot really is. So how do you be more proactive? So there's a, a category of technology called experience monitoring. And technically, Gartner was talking about this last year called Digital Experience Monitoring. It announced it in September for the first time. And it's this broad category of tools that try to monitor and understand what is it like for remote workers trying to be productive. And there was some interest and people did talk about it. But guess what? March this year, February this year, suddenly everyone starts talking about it because work environments went from being very fixed, sat behind the same desk every day, connected to the corporate network every day, using the same machine and the same tools every day to being, well, everyone works in a different place on a different internet connection, using different apps, different times of the day. And suddenly IT has gone from being able to see and control everything to be able to see and control nothing. And so this, this experience monitoring category, the guy called Federico de Silva at Gartner, actually, he said the amount of inquiries they've had year on year has been fivefold. Oh. So suddenly everyone is interested in this idea of, I don't know what's going on. What can you show me? What can you give me that's going to help me monitor my employees in a non-invasive way that's actually going to help us help them and, and enable them to get their jobs done? Yeah, so... How do you do that in a non-invasive way? Because it so sounds invasive at, at its core. It does, right? And each technology works in a slightly different way. So I can't speak to every every solution. But ultimately, you have to understand as an organization, what's your culture for figuring out what employees are doing or not doing? And you probably don't want to track all of their internet traffic, of course, certainly not in their own homes. But also, you can't give them a laptop and the expectations be that there's absolutely nothing going on to keep those employees productive and keep those employees secure. And so drawing that line is going to change between each organization. Uh, the company I work for is a company called Netmotion, and, and the way our approach is to 
identify when there's an experience issue. So for example, the computer disconnects from the network and it takes a snapshot, a diagnostic snapshot that says, okay, uh, there's been a network disconnect. Let's automatically populate that information, give it to the IT team. And so when the user calls up and says, hey, I was having this problem like 45 minutes ago, I just couldn't connect to SharePoint. They already have the diagnostics information and say, actually, it wasn't SharePoint. You had um, you had accidentally roamed onto the Starbucks. Do you, did you leave the house or we, do you live near an art Starbucks? And, yeah, that was it. And I, I was stuck on the captive portal and I didn't realize. And so it, it becomes a way of helping employees figure out what went wrong, but also helping the support desk and the, right. the help desk team in saying, well, now we know how to help you because we can actually see what happened. Right. Um, is there, is there a way to, 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 to kind of bridge that, that divide, um, without the use of, you know, monitoring software, you know, how do you do that? Maybe holistically. So, you know, it sounds kind of old fashioned, but if you don't want to embrace this technology or, you know, the software is not the right time for you, good old fashioned surveys, right? And this becomes less of an IT thing and more of a, an HR thing. So let's mm -hmm. say you're, you're rolling out SharePoint. And you say, right, we've decided this is the new way to share files internally and, and drop links, whatever. But how do you know if people are actually using it? And how do you know if people actually like it? And uh, the London Met Police actually do this kind of thing. So uh, a lot of police forces in the UK have started to roll out uh, Microsoft 365 products, including Teams. And it's a, a new way for police officers to communicate to each other. But a lot of police officers still want to use WhatsApp or even text each other to keep things coordinated. And so it was only really by engaging with the frontline officers and speaking to staff. Um, and this can apply to any organization saying, hey, are you using Microsoft Teams? Has it been helpful? I can see that it's not installed on your device. Why is that? What does it lack? And starting to treat your workers as partners rather than people that have to do what you say, you'll start to uncover things so that maybe one would say, hey, it actually doesn't work very well on, on Android devices. And suddenly they, they can go back and roll out an update or do something else or change their policy. And I think it comes from treating employees as peers rather than, uh, what would be the word? Rather than uh, stuff that just have to do what you say. There's this concept in Germany of workers' councils. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, but um, every significant decision, including buying new technology, has Ooh. to go through a workers' council, which is made up of different employees representative of each department in the company. And if they say no to something, doesn't matter what the board wants, doesn't matter what the CEO wants, can't happen. Ooh. And so it's a really good way to try and get buy-in from the employees in the first place about any new software you're embracing, especially if it's going to run that risk of what we talked about earlier, which is, is it monitoring too much? And if the workers' councils can see, hey, this is actually for the overall benefit, and maybe we take away these two features and we add this policy, it's it's all about that buy-in that's actually going to help drive adoption. Mm -hmm. um, seems like that would be a good idea for most companies right now, since you know there's 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 that disconnect from you know your rank and file employees to uh, you know the rest of the company. Um, no, so how do you how do you get buy-in for for a monitoring uh, program like that? Because um, oh, you know, if 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 my boss uh, you know sent an email and said, "Hey, we're gonna start uh, monitoring things you guys do," there were you know people would, would feel a little weird about that. Um, yeah, and, and, and it is, and, and it's not for nefarious purposes. So how do you you know sell that? 
it is different for uh, the home, although I think when you start talking people through the rationale, there's a, a slightly different um, perception that happens. So I, I don't know if you were working in an office um, this time last year, but the expectation is when you're sat in an office using a corporate assigned machine on a corporate network, that there's some degree of visibility, like monitoring going on. Right. I, the company I work for, they would never like watch what's happening on my screen, but maybe they would see if I ended up on a URL that I shouldn't, like a security risk or something like that. And so there is an expectation that while you're working for a company and a company property on a company machine, that that company has the right to do put certain safeguards in place. It's the same with like CCTV cameras if you're working in retail. It's not to spy on you, it's partly to keep you safe. Right. And so that does change when people go into their homes, but it doesn't become gone, right? right. I'm st- the machine I work on was still given to me by my employer, um, but it's connected to my home Wi-Fi. So what changes? But to answer your question, I think it comes from identifying champions or advocates saying, okay, listen, we've got 50 salespeople. Why don't we find two people who's in sales and include them in the process of rolling it out? Before we've pushed it out, we say, hey, this is what we're trying to achieve as a company. We're trying to make sure people don't experience crappy things. This is going to be in your team. Tell us what you're comfortable with, what you think would be a good idea. Uh, and if you have different, we call them center of excellence sometimes. So if you have a center of excellence that decides what we need, what we don't need, you've got buy-in from the very beginning. And you're not trying to convince people to do the thing that you decided. You're actually just trying to get adoption from something that a representative or a peer from from their team actually was included in the in the. I, I, company I used to work for did the same kind of thing with Slack. So uh, the IT team had decided to roll out, I think it was Cisco, WebEx Teams, some kind of chat thing or Facebook Facebook for work. And they were about to roll it out and they ended up including people in the marketing team saying, hey, what do you think about this? And they were like, can we just use Slack? And everyone was like, can we just use Slack? And it ended yeah. up changing the entire acquisition, like the, the, the whole rollout to be Slack instead because it served mm-hmm. enough of IT purposes, but it was a way of getting people excited rather than right. just tolerant. Right, right. And, and, and that goes back to what we talked about before that, um, you know, we need to kind of have those conversations with, with end users and the entire company as a whole before you make those big um, decisions. Um, yeah. Yeah, it comes back to that partnership idea, right? Yeah. It shouldn't just... It's shifting. The fact that software can just be self-enabled and self-provisioned, right? You just go to a website, put your credit card information on, you can use it straight away. It's totally different to 10 or 20 years ago where only IT had the means to roll it out. Because that's changed, the IT teams that stick, stamp their feet and say, no, we're doing it our way, you're doing it wrong, aren't going to win. The -hmm. companies that have IT teams that can actually listen and work together and figure out how to navigate this new world are going to be much more successful. And the employees are going to be happier too because they're going to be using software they trust and they're not going to be experiencing as many, uh, as many frustrations in the workplace. Right, right. Um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of companies uh, banned uh, the use of Zoom because they had all the <laughs> security issues early on. Um, but still, most didn't. So a lot of people were using Zoom uh, when, you know, they were told not to by, the, by, their, by their company. Um, how do you kind of get around that and navigate those those kind of issues uh, when yeah, you're you're just not you know able to see what your employees are doing? Because yeah, you know my company told me not to use Zoom, and I'm in the office using Zoom, and my boss walks by, I'm going to be I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> well, hopefully, it comes back to the same kind of issue. It comes back to 
Or did IT really listen when they were selecting something to make everyone use? If you're using GoToMeeting, maybe everyone's going to say, you know what, I don't want to use GoToMeeting. I have to download a client and whatever. It's annoying. I'm just going to use Zoom. Yeah. Whereas if they'd actually listened to employees in that process and said, why do you want to use Zoom? It's like, oh, you just click a link and it's done. Right. Now, if that's the reason, or maybe it's like, I can do virtual backgrounds. And once you start gathering, like, what were the reasons people wanted to use Zoom in the first place? You can go find an alternative that's 90% as good. Right. And I would say most employees aren't doing it because they're difficult. They're doing it because they just want to, like, hey, I want to consume a great experience. Hey, yeah. this is what everyone's seen. And so um, I think it comes down to that alternatives. Like, actually, as a, we as a company have two different options so that, you know, the tech, the engineering team prefer one tool, the sales mm. and marketing team prefer another tool. Slightly annoying when you're calling people internally, but that was yeah. IT team's compromise to make sure people weren't going to just shadow IT their way around it anyway. Right, right. Yeah, we use we used uh, Microsoft Teams for internal, and then um, really uh, mostly Zoom for external, but also whatever people want to, whatever like you guys wanted to use Google Meet, so that's fine with me. Um, you know, I wasn't gonna say say otherwise. I mean, it's fine. It's working fine. I'll get the recording after. Um, but I think it also comes down to just like you said, um, and users just want to have an, an easy go of it. They they want. Yeah. Things to work. They don't care how it works. They just want it to work, and they don't want to. They don't want to have to, you know, take a IT class to figure out how to use it. As a phrase, one of my colleagues says, which is like, everyone wants security, but no one wants a security experience, right? right? Every single worker in your company and every single consumer of your product will choose convenience. The only people worrying about security is the security team and the IT team, and that's right. their job to do it. So there's, there's, there is a middle ground. If you just let them choose everything, they're going to choose the most secure, the most boring, the most like rigid product imaginable. But if you let employees choose, they're going to, we're going to mess it up. I guarantee it. Yeah. We're going to choose something yeah. that's like really dodgy, like developed in some companies, countries stealing your data. Right. So right. if you have that engagement and that conversation, you'll find something that works for everyone. Right. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, I think that answers all the questions I had, uh, unless there's anything else um, you want to touch on. No, I think I think that's all good. It's nice. It's nice to have an organic conversation and just a you know, fixed interview yeah. or it's a data point. You have the same data that Chris has shared with you. So great, beautiful. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it, Joel. Yeah. Cheers, Zach. Nice to meet you. And let me know if you have any follow-ups. More than happy to uh, to respond by email. I'll do this again if you have them. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at mytechdecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWComo. Until next time.